0: Welcome to ALC's Sermon of the Week podcast. In this week's episode, Pastor Ben Davis gives a message on finances. good to be here this morning. There is a strength and a faith that comes from corporate gatherings and um, it's just amazing to see you guys here. Now, how many of you got smised when you came through the door? If you didn't, go back and and, uh, come through the doors again, and we will smize you. You guys know what smizing is? It's an actual word. Uh, It's like a new word. Smizing is a new word, but the word smize is actually already a word before the pandemic. Uh, Smize, um, actually, now it kind of means I'm smiling at you with my eyes, but before the pandemic, what it meant was that um, I am luring you in with my eyes. So what you want to do is to get people back in church, you want to put on your mask, and then you want to smize them and lure them on in, you know. So it was our goal to smize you this morning, and I hope you got smized as you came through uh, the doors. also want to say welcome to our at-risk group. We're really excited about this group. They are meeting in the storehouse for those who are... Um, at risk and do not feel comfortable or should not be in a group of this size they are going doing temperature checks and everything else in that room Um, it's in the storehouse back there and so um, they're watching on live stream but they're going to be having the same experience we are so if you know someone who is at risk and really should not be in a group like this. Even with our social distancing, there's some bottlenecks and whatnot. Um, that is a great provision for them. I know of several people that we're going to be trying to get into the at-risk group. That's led by Travis and Patricia Hilton. Many of you, if you don't know, Travis, I mean, Patricia had a miracle lung transplant here some years ago and got a new lease on life. God extended her life, and, uh, and she is a forward thinker. They're both forward thinkers um, and, uh, and so they're leading that group, and so we just celebrate them and are grateful for them. We also are live streaming, so we want to say welcome to all of our people that are watching on live stream. The thing about live streaming is people are no longer limited by geography, so we have people listening across the nation, so we want to welcome you as well. Um, We're in our Free to Be Family series, and we talked about marriage matters, and then we talked about chasing children. Then Pastor John preached on borders and boundaries while I was in Florida watching Hurricane Sally come in or was that Hurricane Sandy? I lose track. I don't know. It was Sally, Sandy, Sally, and so so uh, we had front row seats. But I got, I got overruled, and, uh, uh, you know, I only got to see the beginning of it. And uh, so it was a good thing we left, though, because we might still be there if uh, we'd stayed through it. So, uh, and then we, then we had Church on the Lawn, where Pastor Jared did an amazing job uh, of sharing this generational faith that has is, is really, uh, really set the standard for what we're doing now. And then um, uh, this morning, we're going to talk about fun and finances. Can you say fun and finances? All right, and then next week will be our last message on the series, and Pastor Jared will teach on uh, broken but healed. So this morning we're going to talk about fun and finances, and we're going to use Luke chapter 16. Uh, verse 9 where it says, make friends for yourself by, re- by means of unrighteous wealth, or many translations would say unrighteous mammon, and there's a reason for that word that we will get into. This is actually a two-part series, uh, sermon, but I've only got time to preach one part, so the second part will be preached on our podcast. We have a daily podcast, and um, that will be preached Monday through Friday of this week. So uh, this is the first part of the message. Now, My family was a family where we loved to go camping. We were in the state of Washington, and if you know anything about the state of Washington, if you're ever considering going on vacation to the state of Washington, you want to go in July or August. That is your only hope of sunshine, because if you go any other time, you are going to be rained on and rained on again and again and again. And so we went camping, and every Labor Day and every Memorial Day was a 100% guarantee of rain the entire time. Praise the Lord. So when you camp in Washington, you camp in the rain. When you play basketball, you play basketball in the rain. If you play football, you play football in the rain. I'm from Florida, actually, originally, and then when I moved to Washington, my, um, we made a new friend, and when it started raining, we'd go inside. And after a while, the report went out, those Davis boys are weird because they go in when it's raining. Well, in Florida, that's what you do because lightning is going to be there and it's going to leave in about 20 minutes and you go back outside. But in Washington, if you don't play outside in the rain, you don't play outside. And so we learned. And so we went camping in the rain. And uh, one time, and it was either probably a Labor Day when it was 100% chance of rain, we went and camped at this place called the Skykomish River, and it was an amazing river, but it was always 32 degrees at all times. And we would stay longer, and my family didn't believe in campgrounds. Matter of fact, that was considered a sin in our family. If you camped anywhere within a 10-mile radius of someone else, you fell short of the glory of God. So we went far and wide, and you find a camping spot where there's no one within 10 miles, and you're roughing it. And in this case, roughing it meant you're going to have to take a shower in this 32-degree water. And we did. So I had this vivid image of my brother and I. There was a waterfall, 32 degrees. And you'd get under the waterfall, and if you've ever been in water like that, within 30 seconds, you're getting brain freeze. You know, the severe headache that comes. It's just miserable. And so he would laugh at me as I'd get under the waterfall. You'd get under there, get your hair wet as fast as you can, then you get out and, and just recover. And then you put some soap in your hair and whatnot, and then he has to do it, and you laugh at him. And that's the only thing that makes it bearable, is that you're laughing at the other guy. But you know your moment is coming. When you've got to get back underneath that thing and get that soap out of your hair. And so you do, you get back underneath that thing and you go into a severe brain freeze, pain spell. And when you are at least just about three seconds away from passing out, that's when you get out. (laughs) Praise the Lord. And that's how we showered. And, you know, some of those trips we said, are we having fun yet? (laughs) Well, that's really... When it comes to when we say, you know, fun and finances, are we having fun yet? You know that surveys have done, have been done on the American population and it's universally agreed upon that Americans hate finances. They hate paying their bills. They hate managing their finances. Everything about it, we hate. Matter of fact, the surveys have shown that 40% of Americans would give up sex for a month if the trade-off was not having to pay their bills (laughs) that month. 58% of women would. (laughs) This so amazed the poll takers, the survey takers, they they decided to go deeper, and they found out that 45% of Americans would give up sex for an entire year if it meant getting out of debt. Did you say come on? Aren't you our marriage counselors? That chair's locked in, man. Yeah, it ain't going to work. Now, we've got good news for you. If you're in that category, we've got these classes called Financial Peace University. Pastor Holly and I are taking it right now. Uh, and, uh, and uh, you know, if you want to learn how to get out of debt without having to give up sex for a year, take one of these classes. So <laughs> I want to encourage you, you know. Uh, so Then they decided, man, this is so crazy. Let's go a little deeper and see what people are willing to do. of Americans said they would swim in a pool of sharks for 30 minutes if it meant getting out of debt. That's nuts, isn't it? Are we having fun yet? There is a better way and there is hope. And so Luke 16 gives us the model, Pastor Holly and I have used the Luke 16 model for having fun in our finances for many, many years, and praise the Lord, we didn't have to give up sex in our marriage in order to do it. And so um, we're going to go through the principles of Luke 16 and try and teach you what God has taught us. And the first half of this message. And if you want the second half, tune into the podcast this week. First half is found in Luke 16, 1, where it says, There was a rich man who had a manager. And that's all the farther we're going to go because the first part, the foundation that you have to have, you want to learn to have fun in your finances, is this become a manager, not an owner of your finances. God is the owner. We are household managers. If you own your finances, you are either in utter misery thinking about giving up sex, or you are greedy, or you are controlled by fear, and the God of mammon has got His grips on you. The only way to be released from that whole mess is to give up ownership of your finances and give the ownership to God, and you become a manager. Now, the word for manager here is not just like a Pizza Hut manager. Nothing wrong with that. I'm for it. But this is, think of it as a, uh, a guy like Potiphar in the Bible that was super wealthy and was so wealthy that he did not manage his own finances. Instead, what he did was he had a guy like Joseph that managed. He was a household manager. Take all of his slaves, all of his hires, all of that, and managed it so that Potiphar could go off and do war and the things that he did. There was a rich man. God's the rich man, and he had a manager. So we are household managers, and what God will do is uh, he will give you an assignment And if you prove faithful in that assignment, he'll promote you to the level that you can manage, and on the promotion goes. So um, God has an estate on the earth that needs to be managed. A lot of people think that the only thing God is interested in is heaven. Not so. God has an estate on the earth that needs to be managed, and he does not manage it himself. He delegates it to managers. He delegates His household estate on the earth to managers. Now, uh, as managers, sometimes we prove unfaithful and sometimes we prove faithful. I have proven both, and I'm grateful for the mercy and the grace of our Lord to become a manager that when I've been unfaithful, He Gives me a new chance through this wonderful gift called repentance. Can you say repentance? It's the most precious gift that God gives to man, by the way. Repentance means you can start over. It doesn't matter where you're at in your finances. It doesn't matter if you've blown it financially, if you're in heaps of debt. None of that matters. Repentance means you can start over and God will impart His grace to the person that is starting over, so you can start over today. I'm reminded of my wife and I how um, how we we had to start over in our finances now. Um, we believe in the tithe, and I still believe in the tithe today. The tithe is the Bible's way of giving man a place to start in all that they do. It's 10% of all of your increase. That belongs to the Lord. The Bible goes so far as to say that if you're not tithing, you're stealing from God. So the Bible talks about the tithe, the offering, and, and growth in that. And we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit later. But Pastor Holly and I, um, we tithe, and we always tried to place God first. But in our early years... We never had enough money to pay all the bills, but we were never late on a payment. So at first we started out our marriage by putting the tithe at the bottom of the budget. And how many of you know that never works? God will not honor that. So we put tithe at the bottom of the budget, and you know what happens when you put your tithe at the bottom of the budget? You never have enough money to tithe. So we tried that for a few months, and we said, that's not working. God gave us His precious gift of repentance to start over, and so we put the tithe at the top of the budget, praise the Lord, before our rent, before our car payment, before groceries. And we began to do things God's way, and it was, it was good. But then, back in those days, we had prayer five days a week at 6 a.m. down at the building. And I went five days a week. 6 a.m. And then I drove 45 minutes to work. And the goal was that you'd spend time in prayer and then go into work. You'd maybe finish up your prayer time, maybe listen to some worship music. If you had time, listen to some news. We don't listen, I, I don't listen to the news anymore. I cancel all that. But um and so amen. And so so then the problem was that we always had a problem in our budget. So instead of spending joyous time with the Lord on my way to work, I had 45 minutes to try to figure out how I'm going to fix my finances. And in my head, I'm working through the budget about how what we could do this or this and this. And I'd have conversations with the Lord. And I remember one time God challenged me to repent over my worry. By the way, the God of mammon doesn't just work through greed. He works through worry and fear as well, equally. You can be just as greedy in poverty as you can be in riches. And so, the God of man is working in both, but God gives this precious gift of repentance. We were tithing, doing everything we were supposed to do, and one day as I was driving, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. He said, Ben, I'm done talking about your budget. You can keep talking about it if you want to, but I'm moving on to something else. That was the Lord's way of challenging me to repent. And I repented and got my new beginning and stopped thinking about our finances and our budget on the way to work. Can you say amen? Amen. And I'm here to testify to you that Pastor Holly and I have never been late on a bill or a payment. We've never been in default. We did have three years, that's 36 months of budget where we needed a miracle. But because we placed the tithe at the beginning of the budget, I have a testimony that we received 36 financial miracles in that first year of marriage. Come on now. 36 financial miracles. That's because our budget was deep in the red, but God came through with a miracle 36 times so that we were never in default or never missed a payment during those years. And then He began to bless us and take us from there. So the first thing we want to be is a manager, not an owner. And it will free us up. The owner is God. I actually told the Lord before He challenged me to repent. Here was what I was trying to get God to engage me with. I said, Lord, I know you're responsible, but if we default, they're coming after me. (laughs) And that was where it was shortly after the Lord said, I'm not talking about this anymore. (laughs) Let's move on. So, be a manager, not an owner. And let's go on to verse 1 and and 2 of Luke 16. Charges were brought against the manager... That the manager was wasting his possessions. The manager was wasting the possessions of the owner, or he was spending too much on himself and being too lax, if you will. And the owner called him and said, What is this I hear about you? Turn in the account. Would you say, Turn in the account of your management? For you can no longer be a manager. God is an accountant. God is an accountant, I should say. He is an accountant and He keeps count. Now, that's good news. That's not bad news. Because the point is, we have to learn to have fun while learning to count God's ways. Now, you've got this world's way of accounting. My son just recently took an accounting class. He hated every second of it. But then you've got God's accounting system, and they are two separate systems. One overrides and overwhelms the other. God's accounting system overrides and overwhelms man's accounting system when you get it right. And so we have to have fun while learning to count. Now, I believe that God wants to teach us to count his way, Uh, while we're learning to count man's way. Now, if you take Financial Peace University, you will learn you've got to do a budget. And then you're going to start tracking your outgo, which can be painful. And then you're going to learn to pay off debt using baby steps. And many, many people have the testimony that they paid off all their debt using baby steps, and they became more generous givers because of it. In Scripture, though, God's system is start with the tithe. And I've listed these scriptures as parentheses beneath there. This is God's counting system, and we have to learn to have fun with the tithe. Then the tithe belongs to God. That's the first 10% that belongs to God, and anything less than 10%, you're robbing God. So we don't want to rob God, and FPU will teach this, but what we want to do is get involved in the blessings and learn to enjoy the blessings. So in my case, it was we placed the tithe up, right, and we saw 36 miracles. And after a while, it gets entertaining to see the miracles. How many of you think that it's entertaining to see miracles? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we began to have entertainment watching the miracles take place. And then my wife and I, we just, from then on, we just enjoy And entertainment as we learn to count the miracles that come from tithing. The scripture says, test me in this, says the Lord. If you tithe, I will open up the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessings, you don't have room enough to receive it. And that is very, very practical. It means spiritual and all those kind of things and relational. But you know, it means stuff too. My wife and I, we moved several years ago and we we discovered we had a problem. We got too much stuff. We had so much stuff that after getting rid of a bunch of stuff in the new house we were moving into, we couldn't figure out where to put it. And so there was this one room that was behind the bathroom, okay, and it was the storage room by the downstairs bathroom, so it got labeled the BS room, (laughs) storage by the bathroom. But the kids... You affectionately came to know it as the BS room. So every time we'd come across a box that we didn't know what to do with, somebody would say, do you want this to go to the BS room? Yeah, put it in the BS room. God wants to bless you, and He will literally throw boxes of stuff out of the windows of heaven when you learn to do it His way. Have fun while learning to count. Then you have more fun when you add an offering to the tithe. The tithe belongs to God, but an offering is something that out of my heart I want to participate in, giving to missions, giving extra. We've been giving offerings and watching God bless so so long, and then the last one is growth, and that comes from the principle of multiplication. Now, Pastor Holly, I've asked Pastor Holly to come with a couple of of her her little flock. You know, she's got some little lambs with her, and you know what? It needs, if, if we're not having fun learning to count, we're missing the mark. So, honey, can you help us have fun uh, learning to count this morning?
1: Okay. You want me just to start?
0: I've asked her okay. to come teach us a children's song on learning to count. I'm up here, baby. Now, this is not for them. This is for you.
1: But they're going to help me because they know the song. Okay. Well, they're going to help Bibs you. didn't know the song, but this is Maisie and Sadie. Can you give them a hand? <laughs> Yay! So we're gonna sing this song. Are you ready? All right, here we go. One, two, three, four, five. Once I caught a fish alive. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then I let it go again. Why did you let it go? Because it bit my finger so. Which finger did it bite? This little finger on my right. All
0: right, now. (laughs) That's great. Now it's your turn, by the way. (laughs) Learning to count in God's accounting system is meant to be this fun. And by the way, it is like a children's song. I mean, what I'm saying is learning to tithe when you're first doing it feels like a children's song. Learning to count just like a child learning to count God's way as you give your first and best to God, and then He replenishes you. And then learning to give offerings and watch God replenish you is just like learning a children's song. It's basic training that gets it. Best to get it into your heart and emotions. Honey, what are the first five? The one, two, three, four, five, what? Sing that first
1: part. One, two, three, four, five. When I caught a fish alive.
0: Caught a fish of mine. Ready? Caught
1: a fish alive.
0: Caught a fish alive.
1: Once I caught a fish alive.
0: One, two, three.
1: One, two, three, four, five. Once I caught Caught a fish fish alive. alive. Okay,
0: what's the next one?
1: Six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Then I let it go again.
0: Six, seven, eight, eight, nine, ten, then I let it Oh,
1: you started a I'm messing it okay. up.
0: Okay, sorry. Six, See, seven, I'm still learning to count. I know. Okay, take us on the next it's one. It's hard to split
1: it up. Sorry. Okay. The next what?
0: The next section.
1: <laughs> oh, okay, okay. We're up to ten. Okay. Uh, why did you let it go? Because it bit my finger so. Which finger did it bite? This little finger on my right.
0: I have no hope of learning that part. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, I give him a hand and say thank Yay! you. Now, the point of the illustration is it is literally meant to be that fun. It is literally meant to be that fun to operate within God's accounting system. I used to have an elder that had a a shifting income because of the type of business he was in, and literally he said, this is the most fun I've ever had in my life, telling God, I will give a tithe on everything you bring me, and then watching how much God brings me to watch what my tithe is, and then he gave offerings on top of that. It's meant to be fun in all that we do, so have fun while learning to count. Now let's go to the next passage. This is a little bit longer. And the, ma- the manager said to himself, he's, you, know, you guys talk to yourself? I was talking to myself the other day. He said, self, what shall I do? Since my master is taking the management away from me, I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. You know, I'm not sure if I'm ashamed to beg or not, but I decided I'm going to be strong enough to dig. I got out there, and yesterday I spread an entire dump truck load of dirt in my yard, and I'm here to say I've still got the strength to dig. Praise the Lord. You know, have you, any of you men been doing what I've been doing? You know, in, in the pandemic, you're told all these things you can't do, and we men need to conquer things. Come on now. Can anybody oh, go, <laughs> Yeah, well we need so so I've just been, you know, I've been doing some stuff I haven't been doing. So the I mean the other day I went and rented a stump grinder. And I'm here to tell you I had the power in my hands. And I'm out there using that little thing, you know. I mean, this thing was a monster. And I'm out there, I got a couple stumps that needed to be ground out, and as I'm digging into them, I'm going. Don't tell me no COVID or what I can't do. Grind those thumbs out, And I mean, just for extra measure, I decided I'm going to ground out the entire COVID stump. You know what I'm saying? I went deep into the earth. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes you just got to find something you can just conquer, you know? So I decided to take on a dump truck of of dirt by myself and praise God I came through it mostly unscathed mostly. I have decided what to do, he said, so that when I am removed from the management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? And he said, a hundred measures of oil. And he said, take your bill and uh, sit down quickly and write 50. And he said to another, and how much do you owe? And he said, a hundred measures of wheat. And he said, take your bill and write 80 these next words have always been troubling to me until I got revelation of them. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness. For years, I was sure that was a typo because I thought it ought to read, the master condemned him. He commended him. The reason being was his shrewdness And the teaching Jesus gave was, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with their own generation than the sons of light are. And so the principle is this, if you want to get involved in enjoying fun and finances, practice generous shrewdness. You see, God doesn't have a problem with money, we do. He has no issue with it. He has no issue giving you so much money that you can't handle it. It's not, he does no issue with it. He can, he can make money grow on trees if he wants to. It's just ours. So the principle is this. He's looking for people that will use his money to advance his kingdom. And so what he's going to do is watch us. And he's looking for this simple principle. Are you willing to be shrewd with yourself so you can be generous to others? that's God's kingdom. And the name it and claim it and blessing gospel, where it's gotten off... Now, the, the principles are true. Jesus became poor that we through His poverty might become rich. That principle is absolute and it's true. Where it's gotten off is that I'm becoming so generous with myself. The focus is on shrewdness with myself so that I can have generosity towards you. And when you practice that, God loves to give more money into that system. So he commended the unjust manager for his shrewdness. Here's an example from Pastor Holly's in my life. We love missions. We've always loved missions. But we had a dream that for our 25th wedding anniversary, we would go to Hawaii. Well, that 25th anniversary came And we had some money in savings, but that year we were going to go to Honduras on a mission trip. And to go, we took all of the savings that we had saved up and paid for our mission trip and gave to plant churches there. And So we gave and we went on a mission trip to Honduras instead of a wedding anniversary present to Hawaii. And we just put that on the altar and said, God... We're going to give this as a willing sacrifice to you. So we did it. We went to, and I and I, I have a picture of Pastor Holly. It's one of my favorites, actually. We went to this town that was so dirty; they had no running water, so the kids were just filth all the time. And so we're in a meeting, and I mean, it was a farming community, and Pastor Holly's got about five kids climbing on her that are. Blackened with dirt from head to toe, I mean, they're climbing on it. They're putting her hand up her nose. You know what I'm saying? They're just—it's in her hair. They're rubbing their heads, in her hair—just filth is coming on her. And so that was our anniversary right there. We gave that to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Then later that year, we got invited to help fund three uh, three hundred pastors in Indonesia that were coming in for a training. Now this was very valuable to them because most of these are in islands out there, and they were going to learn the basics, how to have a good devotional in the morning, how to preach, how to have good doctrine, basic things. And so we were one of three churches that were going to pay for this, for them to come in. And we agreed. Then one morning in prayer, the Holy Spirit dropped in my heart, Ben, you can pay for the whole thing. We didn't have the money, but I got a word from the Lord. And so what I did was I called the overseeing pastor and I said, the Holy Spirit just dropped in my heart that we can pay for the whole thing. He said, you have no idea how meaningful this phone call is. I just got word that the other two churches dropped out and we didn't know what we were going to do. I said, well, we got the bill. We paid as a church for the entire training of 300 pastors to come in and get trained for that week and they asked us to come, so we said we'd come. We'd never been to Indonesia. So Pastor Holly and I start researching it, and what I find out is that Bali is the Hawaii of the Far East. So we went, and we stayed in a four-star resort. They wouldn't hardly let us go outside. And so we stayed in a four-star resort during the training, and prices were down so much that we decided to stay about three or four more days in a five-star resort where they wait on you so ridiculously you're embarrassed. (laughs) And we did it for about like a fifth of the price Hawaii would have been. So Holly and I got to stay in absolute luxury for our 25th wedding anniversary in the highest in place we've ever been in in our lives. But if you'll notice the methodology, the secret was... We gave it all up to God, then God decided how He would give it back to us. Amen. Yes. Amen. So that is how we practice generous shrewdness, and we learn to have fun in our finances. Let's go to the last one. The last scripture in Luke sixteen nine is difficult to understand, but I'm going to make it simple. Jesus said, I tell you, make friends for yourself by means of unrighteous wealth. Now, if you just take it at face value, it starts looking like Jesus is saying we're supposed to network with each other and, you know, and bribe friendships and kind of the world's way of doing things. But the second half of the verse gives context that when it, that's the financial systems of this world, or you, that's when you die, translators will go at it differently, fail, they, these are the friends you made by giving, may receive you into eternal dwellings. So he's obviously not talking about getting in to the world system of networking and buying friends. That's not it at all. What is he saying? Well the point is this, become a pipe and not a pond for all finances. What that means is Jesus set up a system that every dollar that comes into your hand is meant to flow through your hand for a kingdom purpose. And if you will yield it to him, he will show you how. Pastor Holly and I have been doing this for years, and we have fun in our finances the passion translation says it this way it is important that you use wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others then when this world falls apart your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward some practical examples when we give to missions and then that missions plant the church and people get saved those people that get saved will one day go to heaven and they will welcome us into heaven because of the money we gave. Did anybody catch that? That's very, that's a very practical way. Another example from our lives was we built a great big house when we were young, built from scratch, but from day 1 we dedicated that to the Lord and we had youth in that house. They tore up things in ways you cannot imagine. But you know what? Those youth that are going to heaven, praise the Lord, they will welcome us into eternal dwellings one day. Now, you don't have to wait till you go to heaven. These people that are born again, then their lives are filled with the Spirit, and they'll walk in right right now, is what I'm trying to say. That's where we do admissions all over the world. The point is this, is that I am called to be a pipe, not a pond. A pond is when you put the water in and it stays still and pond scum begins to cover it. And right now, even though I can't see you very well because of the lights, I know that I am looking at some pond scum. You know why? Because I know that just the percentages are that in a crowd this size... Aren't you guys back there glad I didn't look at you when I said that? I know that in a crowd this size, there are a percentage of people that have become pond scum. You're like a pond, and you're just asking God to pour the water in, and you have no outlet. You don't tithe. You don't give. You just just want more in. And you spend your whole life just telling God you want more in. And pond scum has formed over your finances and over your life. And God says, I want to remove the pond scum from your life. But the only way is I got to build a pipe where that water can begin to flow. And when it flows, that scum will go out of the pipe and diminish and dry up, and you will become fresh water again. So, God wants to give us fun and finances by teaching us to be a pipe for Jesus, not a pond scum for the devil. We become a pipe for the winds of the Holy Spirit. Wherever He says to give, we give, rather than a pond scum of, I want a new this and a new that and a new that. Now, God's not against the new this and new that. I'm just saying the focus is different. We become a pipe so that God can give us more so more can flow out rather than a pond where I just say, God, give me more, give me more, give me more. There are only a few cases in Scripture where Jesus warned so heavily and he said this is ultimate judgment. And this is one of them, by the way. Jesus warned, ultimate judgment comes upon the guy that builds a barn, gets more, and builds a bigger barn. And he said, sudden and swift judgment will come upon that guy. Why is that? It's because if you can't follow God in your money, you can't follow him in any way. I've seen it for years. You can get saved. You can receive forgiveness of your sins. But if you cannot follow God in your money, you cannot follow Him at all. And Jesus taught this crystal clear. And I just desire for every person who names the name of Jesus to learn to follow God in the baby steps. Give your money to God And you'll learn to follow him in so many other ways because, as I'll teach this week in my podcast, it's a primary tool that God uses today. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week podcast. Sermons are live-casted every Sunday, 10 a.m. Central, on Facebook and YouTube. Find out more about us by visiting our Facebook page or visiting our website at Abundant.us.